0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: You know it's an emergency episode day when one, Brad and I pretty much knew this was happening as we recorded last episode. We, We said as much without saying as much, but you really know it's an emergency episode day when Big time, showtime, Evan shows up. Welcome right. back. You only show up for the big ones. Huh? I
0: even showered uh, right before I drove over here. So, you Whoa. know, it's a big, and I brushed my teeth. So it's a real big day, <laughs> a real big day. This is
1: your wedding day? Jeez. It might be, it might just be. The Patrick Kane saga is over. And, you know, Evan, I'm, I'm giving you some crap here for being gone on a very fun golf trip recently. You played Tobacco Road, very cool. But uh, I do have to give you credit because regarding the Patrick Kane saga, I want to note that you were the first one on this podcast to say it.
0: The the universe was speaking to me.
1: Lobstradamus. And for those who don't know, that's a play on words from Nostradamus. But Evan Lobstradamus strikes again. You were right all the way back in what was it, June?
2: That you I said have it no for the idea. first time? I'll, so... I'll just believe you. <laughs> oh, I could have lied and said it was my idea. Foresight, fantastic. Recall non existent. We <laughs> all of <laughs>
0: her strengths and weaknesses.
2: it comes at a great cost. But Patrick
1: Kane has indeed chosen Hockey Town, which is why we are recording not even two days after our most recent episode. It is worthy of an emergency episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. So here to talk to you about all things Detroit Red Wings hockey, the world of the NHL, and Patrick Kane coming to Detroit. Welcome to the show. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, you can imagine we're going to be talking about Patrick Kane Everything that him choosing Detroit uh, means for Hockey Town, means for the team, what's coming up, what we can expect from him, details on the contract, why it's not official at the time of recording, you know, here Tuesday late afternoon, and everything in between. And time provided, we'll cover some other league news, which there's been a lot of. It's been a weird day for Chicago fans, as Corey Perry is on waivers for contract termination and, and the wild rumors there. And lots more before we jump into overtime. Before all that, a couple notes. First of all, Winged Wheel Podcast Night with the Grand Rapids Griffins is on Saturday, January 27th. Go to griffinshockey.com slash WWP to get your tickets. They do sell fast. I think there are maybe 30 tickets left at the time of recording that have these special co-branded Grand Rapids Griffins and Winged Wheel Podcast hats attached to them. After those run out, they run out. So you guys have actually bought quite a few of those already. So if you want your tickets, griffinshockey.com slash WWP. Again, it's the same as Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings, but we're taking it to Grand Rapids for the first time. There's going to be a pregame live show featuring head coach Dan Watson and Grand Rapids Griffins players, and less importantly, us three, the hosts of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We're going to attend the game together, and there's going to be lots more there for you. So again, griffinshockey.com slash WWP week is going to be a little bit weird in terms of content so we had the sunday episode the usual wednesday midweek episode is going to be replaced by this one and we'll be back with you on sunday with a special edition of the winged wheel podcast or red wings roundtable that's going to feature some special guests and some added content that we're going to pre-record on thursday so the schedule is you know our, our most recent episode before this one was last sunday this one which is posting tuesday night And then you're going to be waiting until next Sunday for some content, but it's going to be a little bit of pre-recording in there. Okay. Patrick Kane choosing Detroit.
2: Initial reactions. Go. I'm going to say a little bit of surprise, even though the rumors were that Detroit was in the mix the whole time. I think the best emotion that I can describe going through me right now is cautious optimism. We know what Patrick Kane has been. We know what he was last season. And we know the injury recovery he just got over. And the giant question marks around that. You know, he comes in with a, we'll call it checkered past. From the on-ice perspective, it's a no-risk move. He's on a one-year deal, which that was probably the most surprising part to me. I figured Detroit had a legitimate chance at Kane. Because he was interested in them. And if Detroit outbid the other teams by even a little, that could have got it done. But $2.75 million on a one-year deal was genuinely surprising. Because I, I figured other teams would have went a little more aggressive than that. Who knows if they actually did or didn't. So if, much like Nicholas Backstrom, he does not recover well from his hip resurfacing. It's for the rest of this season, you can... Easily hide that contract, not that the Red Wings will even likely need that space this year, and then you recalibrate in the summer. Or he is almost what he was last year, which is a huge get for the Red Wings at $2.75 million because he was still 50-something points in 70-something games playing injured last year. So we know he's a defensive black hole. We know he is not the MVP-level player that he used to be. But even last year, he was still very, very productive and an elite playmaker, which is the biggest thing the Red Wings are lacking up front.
1: Yeah, to see a one-year deal, and I'm going to offer some context in a little bit here in terms of how this all played out with the contract as in terms of the information that we were able to gather over the past couple of days. But to see this coming at a one-year deal, the cap number doesn't matter if it's a prorated one-year deal for the rest of the year. It's $2.75 million on the cap. Kane earns, I think, a touch over $2 million for the rest of the season. That's the actual dollars. But one year in low cap, it frees Detroit's cap space up for the rest of the season. I don't think they're going to be maxing out their cap this season, but it's better to have the flexibility than not. That's as low risk as it gets. We'll talk about all the, the history and context of Kane as a player uh, later on in the conversation here. But, yeah, this is a free asset. Where worst case scenario, his hip resurfacing goes the same way it did for other, you know, top end players who had it and weren't able to come back and he goes on LTIR or he's able to come back and be what we saw him do late in his career with Chicago and New York. And he's a huge boost to the team or he's a very cheap asset who's even a fragment of that, which is still, as you said, Brad, a very big boost to this team. There's not a lot of risk here, and there's also a business side of this. Like, this is generating a ton of buzz and excitement, and, you know, the engagement that we saw today is among the highest that we saw all season going back to the, the win streak at the start of the year. So, you know, it gets HockeyTown excited and makes Red Wings fans excited. One more thing I want to add, though. The first thing that I thought about this is this is the second big name to want to come to Detroit. Alex DeBrinkett forced his way to the Red Wings. Patrick Kane chose the Red Wings in the end. And again, I'll talk about the process of how he landed on Detroit, but that's not nothing. That's actually huge. That's a big turning of the tides going all the way back to the Mike Babcock days where free agents weren't choosing Detroit. They didn't even want to meet with Detroit because of Mike Babcock. And when Detroit was at the lowest lows of the rebuild, they had no interest in coming to such a terrible team. So that's two big names now in one year that have chosen Detroit. And that's a huge important indicator that detroit is back on the map of important hockey markets
0: yeah i think the last time i was on on and we talked about this i was you know very cold about the patrick kane experiment and i don't think i'll change my mind on that but i do agree with what everything you guys said like now that we i guess will we'll call it a finalized contract we know the details now there's To me, the risk is extremely low and you get to see what this guy still has in the tank. So if it works out, wow, what a fantastic get for the team. Adds a little bit of production. If it doesn't work out, well, it's one year and it's low cap. So who totally cares?
1: So the way this played out was over the last couple of days, it became a very, very poorly kept secret. You know, talking to folks who understood how the negotiations were going, uh, this got out like we knew for certain yesterday I just couldn't pin down the details of the contract so asman uh, still is able to keep that under lock and key uh, actually it's funny as of yesterday I was chatting with you guys the best information I had was that this was going to be multi-year and the advantage to signing a multi-year deal would have been that you know it wouldn't have qualified as a 35 plus contract under the the CBA which has a bunch of advantages especially in terms of what happens to the contract if a player retires, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the situation here because he signed just a one-year deal in the end. So the process of getting to this point was kind of all over the map. I know Kane wasn't thrilled. I know Steve Eisenman wasn't thrilled that it got out, but it was much like Jabrinka coming to Detroit. This was one that, you know, everyone kind of saw coming. And I think that's just the nature of things when so many teams are involved. Speaking of the other teams, I think Elliott Friedman has done a lot of really good reporting in this space. Uh, He talked about Dallas being Kane's preferred destination. You see the way Dallas is playing this year, like they're a wagon. They are among, if not the cup favorites right now. So for Kane wanting to play for a cup, that makes sense. Uh, Also got a couple tips that Kane would have loved to have gone back to the Rangers. But GM Chris Drury over there was evidently not interested in whatever the terms that Kane was putting forward was. So. That also makes more sense than Detroit. If you're saying, oh, he wants to go to a contending team, why did he pick Detroit? Well, teams like Dallas and New York were higher up on his list. And then ultimately, settling for a one year deal with Detroit, he has ties to the area. We've talked about that. You know, playing here when he was younger, knows a lot of the guys around, it makes sense. But yeah, it, I think this was just a lot of teams were in on it, which is why so much information was floating around. And was this Kane's primary? Choice by all indications, I don't think so, but I think it was one of his top choices in you know a smaller handful of teams.
0: He also had indicated that, well, allegedly had indicated that travel distance traveled was a, a big criteria. And Red Wings have a lot of short flights to different areas, so in terms of travel schedule, I'd say the Red Wings are probably one of the better teams in his list of teams that he was would have been willing to go to. So that was a huge factor too, allegedly.
2: Yeah. Well, we're ignoring the most obvious reason why he would come to Detroit and it's simply they're a wagon this year. So how (laughs) could anybody say no? (laughs) And that's why we're recording this now and not after
1: their Wednesday game against the Rangers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When everything starts to go off the rails again, no, obviously it's good to see premium players pick the Red Wings again, even if it's not the preferred destination, there were a lot of teams that were interested. He met with the Leafs. He met with the Sabres. He talked to a couple other teams. And even Friedman was saying there were other teams involved that he couldn't quite pin down. Bruins tried to get in on it. Yep. and Which is the most Bruins thing ever. Good GMs are in on everything, though, yeah. realistically. And he, he ended up in Detroit. And it's a bet on himself, though. Because he's going to get a couple things in Detroit that he wasn't gonna get in some of the other bidders. One, and as weird as this still feels to say, might be playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> if if you if he was toying with the idea of going back home to Buffalo or Detroit, well right now Detroit looks like the more appealing option, which could have been a factor, but he's also gonna get a huge opportunity in Detroit. I don't think he's going to walk right into the first line or this even necessarily even the second line game one. They might ease him into it. Remember the Thomas Vanek special mm-hmm. that might make a lot of sense for how you ease Patrick Kane into the lineup. Cause if anybody's thinking he's going to be productive this year, I understand. I don't think that's going to happen game one. I think he's going to have to, you know, get a good chunk of games under his belt before he starts to feel normal again and yeah, maybe you toss him on the third line with Sprung and whoever else and give him some sheltered offensive starts and a lot of power play time and then see how it goes from there. But eventually, yeah, he's probably going to play in the top six, probably with Debrinket. And if that goes really well for him and the hips hold up and he's productive, even though it'll be a 35 plus contract next year, he'll get paid. There were a lot of suitors for him right now with this gigantic question mark over his head in terms of how he's going to recover. If he squashes all those fears this year, he's going to get paid again. And maybe that'll be with Detroit. Detroit will get first right of refusal on him because they can negotiate ahead of time. And yeah, it's, it's not a bad bet from Patrick Kane given the other options he had available to him. Let's talk about what
1: the hip resurfacing surgery Means And I know we've talked about this probably 17 times so far, but now that the entire thing is done, what does this mean and why is there so much doubt? It's an operation that isn't conducive to being a pro-level athlete afterwards. It's not something we've seen NHL players come back from. And the reason the tides turned on the sentiment with Kane after the hip resurfacing in terms of you know being optimistic about him being able to come back and play, despite the video his agency put out was Nick Backstrom just had to retire from the league, essentially, after having that same procedure. It's tough. Hockey is an especially mobile sport that requires your hips to be pretty agile and limber and capable physiologically, and he, it's that's not a good procedure to be having and still be able to play at a high level, especially at 35 years old. So do I have optimism? Someone asked me today, they said, what do you expect from Kane? Or, you know, you're talking about the low risk, high reward. Are you optimistic that he can come back and do this? I can't honestly say that I am. I'm going to be talking today about what Kane could possibly provide because it doesn't quite matter because it's so low risk. If it doesn't work out, it's LTIR. And then we just get the Red Wings as they have been for the past, you know, a couple months. And that's still well and good. But is he going to be able to come back from this? Uh, he would have to be the first really to do it in a significant way and I'm not saying that's impossible but the evidence and the history isn't on his side so I think it's logical to come into this with a healthy amount of skepticism which you shared earlier Evan
0: yeah the precedence has already been set with Nick Backstrom, and you know he's a playmaker who doesn't rely on foot speed at this point in their career kind of like Patrick Kane so that's where my pessimism really kicks off so I, I don't know. I'm still super skeptical of it. I think it's hilarious that Patrick Kane is a Detroit Red Wing. If you would have told <laughs> if you would have told twenty year old Evan that that would Patrick Kane would be playing for the Red Wings, I would laugh in your face. They're going to make two million dollars in just Jersey sales. So oh.
1: the money is money well spent I, I think about Mike Medano. I think about Daniel Alfredson. I think about Chris Chelios is like the ultimate example. Although that he ended up playing for like 10 years. That that turned out to be like he's as much a Red Wing in my mind. Darian Hatcher, like you go way back. This isn't the first time the Red Wings have done this. David Legwand, and I don't, we don't have to get into all that. Patrick Kane has to, he's definitely going to move the most jerseys.
0: Absolutely. And there's people who are buying that jersey just out of spite. Yeah. Like me, I, I am considering it. And if anyone knows me, I am
1: not a Jersey guy at all. But to piss off Chicago fans. God it's it's getting close like outside of everything you know brad referred to it at the top of the show like kane does have a checkered past to put it lightly and even outside of the more recently like he was on the the team during the kyle beach scandal yeah this is a guy who red wings fans like he was public enemy number one through red wings and their biggest modern rival which was the chicago blackhawks after colorado i think it was chicago in the next era and Patrick Kane was at the forefront of that. It wasn't Taves. It wasn't anyone else. It was Kane. And you love to hate the guy.
0: And the, the best part about Patrick Kane as a player is not only is he cocky and he talks about himself in the third person, calls himself Showtime. He's arguably one of the best American players of all time. So he backs it up with skill and uh, it just drove Red Wings and other teams fans crazy. And now he's a Detroit Red Now League. he's a Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> what the hell? Even the like superimposed versions of him with the Red Wings kit on looks so weird to me.
2: I know. I know. You huh? know who this really worked out for? Daniel Sprong. Y- oh. Yeah. Can you imagine nice... the Rolex he's getting out <laughs> He's of this? He's getting a good
1: one. And hey, those are hard to get too. So he's probably going to get, I don't know, he might be, be able to get a Daytona out of this. With the amount of money that Patrick Kane has pulled in, <laughs> I wouldn't... Don't do it for just a regular day date, Daniel. Hold out for the Daytona and maybe one of the gold ones, too.
0: It's or a good day to be Daniel Sprong. Oh, we're,
2: man. We're gonna need the social team to be really on it over the next few weeks as Daniel Sprong walks into the building every game, get a close-up on that wrist <laughs> yeah. just to see. <laughs> Daniel iced out Sprong is his new
1: name. <laughs> so, Patrick Kane, those are the hesitations about him and you know coming back as a player who had hip resurfacing surgery. Evan, you alluded to it. Let's talk about who Patrick Kane is as a player in this point in his career. We know his goal-scoring prowess from earlier in his career. I don't think anyone's expecting, like you mentioned, MVP levels of production. But Patrick Kane, with reduced mobility, with a reduced ability to kind of make as big of an impact on the game, what can he still bring to the table
2: if his recovery and return to form goes well? What I'm hoping is a new dynamic to the power play. And I think that's probably the safest bet of what he will actually be able to do cuz I am I'm with Evan. I'm extremely skeptical of what he's going to be able to do at 5 on 5 with he, he was never a burner to begin with and if he has slowed down even more, I I do see a real likelihood that he's going to struggle to keep up with the pace at 5 on 5. On the power play, however, Your pace is generally defined by your brain and to which he has one of the most elite minds in the history of hockey with the way he can move the puck and see lanes and manipulate players open. You get him on the half wall with the puck on his stick. He doesn't have to move around a ton to absolutely burn a defense in that scenario, especially the chemistry he has with the brinket. And obviously they would put them on the same power play unit. You would think so if Kane can tread water at five on five, which I think would be a win in this scenario, but be a huge boost to the power play, that alone makes this contract a home run.
1: Yeah, I don't think Patrick Kane all goes well, would be the difference maker between Detroit making the playoffs and not if they were like in a imagine the position Buffalo is in right now. Or even worst case, Ottawa. Like out of the playoffs, things aren't looking too great. I know Buffalo just had a win, but still, I'm not saying Patrick Kane can come in and do that. But with the position the Red Wings are in now, which is a playoff spot and playing reasonably well most nights, he can come in and boost the scoring, boost the potency and the consistency of the power play. Like you said, Brad, and if you are able to be creative with with how you're deploying him, like you mentioned. He's not going to be terribly mobile and you want to essentially try to magnify all of his positive traits and minimize his defensive ones. That means a lot of offensive zone starts. You can make him impactful enough where is he the main driver? No, but he can be an impact and needle mover in terms of keeping this team in in a playoff competitive space some nights.
0: For me, deployment is going to be number one, and it's going to become more difficult on the road when you get a last change. I personally, you know, just Thinking about it a bit today, I think he would be excellent as a third line player, you know, get Comfer and Sprung there because having Sprung having an, a God tier playmaker on his line might really awaken something in him. And then obviously the power play, you know, his creativity is, you know, almost unparalleled when he was in his prime just having him there will you know keep the scheme always sort of open it'll be harder for teams to game plan against the Red Wings power play that's kind of where i see the ideal fit being if things really go well you know maybe you slot him in on the second line move to brink it down there's a lot of options there it's it's the big question mark is how is his ability to play at the nhl level post hip resurfacing surgery
1: yeah that that's the That's the foundation of all of this, and if that crumbles, then it crumbles, and this whole thing just becomes, we were excited for a little while there, and it ended up being nothing, and that's fine. It's harmless. We all know the risk coming in.
2: It's probably still worth it for a lifetime of uh, Detroit Red Wings legend Patrick Kane memes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's already worth it.
1: My one buddy's a diehard
0: Ottawa fan, and the day the Red Wings signed Alfredson, his life basically crumbled in front of my eyes, so (laughs) today's been a good day.
1: And I'm sure you were very graceful
0: about that. Oh, as always, I was very gentlemanly and very graceful in his defeat.
1: As, <laughs> as <laughs> And that's all you need to know about it. So that's Patrick Kane's play style. And, and we talked about where he might fit into the lineup. We'll get to that more in a second. Uh, something I didn't mention earlier, I think it was Frank Sarvali put out there that some of the difference making for Patrick Kane, the, the couple points that are believed to have pushed him in this direction counting the fact that Dallas didn't seem to be a landing spot and New York didn't seem to be a landing spot is one, the Debrinket thing. You know, at this age, at this point in your career, Patrick Kane has to be thinking about maximizing opportunity for himself. Yes, to be competitive, but also to to show off what he can do. And you're going to need help. Like, there's not a 35-year-old in this league, except for Sidney Crosby, apparently, who is able to come in and be their maximum player without setting themselves up for success. And he's played at an elite, like all world level with Alex Dabrinkit in the past. And Alex Dabrinkit is still in his prime. So you're setting up a kid like that, then yeah, that's going to be one thing to help you. And evidently the other thing that moved the needle for him was Steve Eisman flying out to Toronto to meet Patrick Kane. We knew Patrick Kane met with Toronto in Toronto and it's not, you know, breaking news or anything, but, you know, Steve Eisman going out there and meeting with him was part of kind of what, uh, what brought him over.
0: And not to mention, allegedly, Patrick Kane had a glowing review for Derek alone and how he thinks the game, how he sort of sees um, how you know teams play in the X's and O's. So the Red Wings had a lot of off-ice items that they could pull from to really sway Patrick Kane to uh,
1: eventually signing with Detroit. Where does he fit into the lineup? Like in, in terms of actual lines, Brad, you mentioned, I know you mentioned Debrinkit on the power play. Evan, you mentioned maybe the third pair with Confer and Sprung. I actually really like that combination. It might be a bit much based on how much Detroit has to lean on comfort right now. There's yeah, zero
2: say. chance he's dropping down to the
1: third line right now. He's one of their most productive players. So their last game, the lines were Valeno, Larkin, Raymond, Costin Fisher, Sprung. Debrinket, Comfort, Rasmussen, Fabry, Cop, Peron, and deployment is going to vary. Like they lean on Comfort, Debrinket, Rasmussen enough. Where is that really a third line? I don't know. Who sits out is likely to be Fisher or Costin, and then whatever injury is. We'll get to Larkin and Berggren later on in this episode. But where does he fit in there? I think you're right, Brad. They'll ease him in to start. Like I, I would hesitate to cement anything right when he gets in. It'll probably just be a lot of sheltered power play time and and really taking it easy on him. But long-term, I, I would doubt we're going to see him much on a first line, for example. It just doesn't seem that like... That would be
0: shocking to me.
2: Not impossible, but he would have to have a comeback of all comebacks. And even then, are you going to... If he's thriving on the second line, are you going to break that up? What... Is best case scenario for Detroit right now, they're already kind of, sort of trying to work out with bumping to it off the first line for the last week and put him on the second line. They've been trying Valeno with Larkin and Raymond to, I'll call it, lukewarm results. So, I don't know if it'll be Valeno, maybe it's Fabry, Perron, whoever, they want to find someone to play that left Wing roll on the top line that doesn't diminish the top line, which would then ideally free up the Red Wings to make a second line of to bring it Comfer Kane. Because if Kane's comeback is even remotely successful, all the jokes we've made about how bad the second line in Detroit are go right out the window with that line. Because Comfer has proven to be, at least for this season, one of the best offseason free agent signings in the league. We know what Debrink it is and can do. And if Patrick Kane is even 70% of what he was last year, now you have legitimate threat on the second line, which then frees up, you know, a third line of, we'll say one of Fabry, Valeno, Kopp, Rasmussen, Sprong, whoever. And again, they've always had a good third line relative to the rest of the league, but that would, I would really put it over the edge. That's legitimately a good third line. Yeah. And like, that doesn't even factor in where Perron might settle in. Right. So... The Red Wings get depth out of this, and they've already been able to out-depth a lot of teams this year, so as long as Patrick Kane is capable and reasonably productive, it does open up a lot more possibilities for this team. To be annoying and, and
1: give the qualifier again, all of this assuming Patrick Kane does come back and is productive, it also makes moving off the first line way more palatable if you're a Red Wing. Like, they've been doing well, so it's not been a problem that DeBrinckit moved down. That seemed to actually have been working out. But you think of years past, if you weren't on the first line with Larkin and Bertuzzi previously or Larkin and Raymond, you essentially were doomed to have an uphill battle in terms of being productive. We saw the Red Wings try to do it with Raymond. Didn't quite work out. We saw the Red Wings try to do it with Bertuzzi. It didn't quite work out. It was extremely hard to be productive, except for that Guelph Storm line for like 12 games. (laughs) lower down in the Red Wings lineup and that's not because the Red Wings are cursed or anything special it's just that when you're a bad team and you don't have good players and you're not playing with good players it's hard to be a good player. Production begets production, good players beget better players. So, you know, you're a first line player and for the sake of changing things up or the coach wants a different look or whatever, you get moved off the first line and then oh, one of your wingers is Patty Kane. Think what you as a Red Wings fan, think what you want about Patrick Kane, but I promise you NHL players that does not go unnoticed and they would love the idea of, of playing like that. If Patrick Kane comes back, plays well, and I'm getting way too far ahead of myself, he's staying in Detroit beyond the season. Let's say it goes really well. He signs an extension. It all makes sense. Other players in the league are going to want to come to Detroit because it's no longer just Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond to play with. You have more in terms of playing with some of the best players in the league to, to help your game. All right. There's going to be a lot on Patrick Kane. And one of the big questions is timeline. You know, it was, I laughed when I saw this. It's a good good week
0: if he does want to play.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's, I don't, like, we're not going to see Patrick Kane against New York and Chicago. That doesn't seem to be the way this is trending. And we'll talk about, you know, roster logistics in a second here. But it is kind of poetic that the Red Wings next two games are against the New York Rangers and the Chicago Blackhawks. Like that's just some, the hockey gods are being a little bit too overt with their script writing thing.
0: Yeah, you got to be less predictable than that.
1: We all live in a simulation and, you know, the lab scientists are just pushing some buttons because they're bored after their shift right now. In terms of actual timeline though, this is all a little bit made complicated. They, They still have to finalize the deal at the time of recording. Derek Lalone talked about needing to finish, you know, Dot some I's, cross some T's. There needs to be a physical. But at this point, you you know what you're working with if you're at this point in the contract with Patrick Kane and his situation. It doesn't really matter. He's going to need some time to kind of get up to speed and everything, but
2: I don't think we're going to be seeing him back this week. No, it's very unlikely. A player coming into a team mid-season in general is tough, learning the systems, the power play, the whatever you want to learn about the team, then you double in the injury recovery and how quickly can he even get up to game speed? You know, special players tend to do it faster than most, but even a special player coming off hip resurfacing is not getting up to speed fast. So I genuinely don't know what the timeline is, but yeah, I'm anticipating it not being fast.
1: One other point about this, someone reached out, they said, you know, it feels weird seeing Kane in a Red Wings jersey and that he's coming to Detroit, obviously because of the rivalry, but also they they addressed like, you know, Red Wings fans have really hated this guy for a long time and have had no problem pointing out his checkered past. And most recently you know, he was part of the, the Kyle Beach team, Chicago Blackhawks, which, uh, you know, the allegations came out that everyone on the team knew and. There have been conversations and re litigations that we're not going to do here today about who knew and what they were told thereafter in terms of punishment and when Aldrich left the team, et cetera. And they were like, Am I weird for being squeamish about this? And my answer is no. Like I, I don't think that's unfair at all. The reality is, is this is what the NHL is. They've already shown what they're gonna do so far as, you know, um, punishment and handling the Kyle Beach and Chicago Blackhawks situation. The Red Wings brought in this guy, and I promise you every other team in the league who was interested in him as a hockey player would have done the same. Like this is just the reality of, of where that entire situation has played out. Look at how Jonathan Taves as a captain, young player still, but as a captain and his reception in the league thereafter. Like it, for any fans who have a mired opinion, I, I, I don't fault them at all. If you want to know what the league thinks about it in terms of hockey players – Patrick Kane had a lot of suitors simple as that okay the Red Wings I I mentioned one thing about the Red Wings and where I think it puts them in terms of the playoffs what do you think in terms of your outlook and balance everything the likelihood of of Patrick Kane coming back and being effective the likelihood of what kind of player he can be would this procedure even have made him a better player than what we saw with the Rangers for example all of that factored in real life prediction, do you think this makes a meaningful difference? And if so, how much in which direction in terms of the Red Wings' ambitions this year?
2: And meaningful is a subjective term. I think it helps, is probably the best way I can put it. They're already in a playoff spot with how they've been playing, with what they've been doing. I don't think Patrick Kane hurts their roster, even if he's not performing. Well, you can always shelter him, power play specialist, low minutes. And if it gets real bad, he just sits in Cleary's Cabana for most of the rest of the season. And it'll be unfortunate if it happens, but if it happens, hey, yeah, it's tough business. Sorry. However, if he is, again, even 70% of what he was, that does not put this team backwards. It just maybe adds maybe only one, two, three points to the standings, but with where the Red Wings are likely to be sitting in April, that could be a substantial difference.
0: I, I've i said it once and I'll say it again. I am extremely skeptical of what we're going to see out of Patrick Kane, and I would love for him to return to a, a higher level. Maybe he will be better than he was in New York now that he's had the surgery it's, it's just a lot of question marks that remain outstanding there. And until I see Patrick Kane in an NHL game, my God, in the re- in the winged wheel, I'm going to remain skeptical. And it's not like I'm not excited or anything. Like, this is crazy that Patrick Kane is a Detroit Red Wing. but There's the big question mark looming over it is what we're going to see. The Red Wings have lots of outs. If this doesn't work, he can, you know, Play extremely sheltered minutes like Brad said. He can sit in the press box. And there's allegedly a no move or a no trade clause involved as well. So uh, it's low risk. We've already talked about that. And if Patrick Kane comes back and is actually a useful NHL player, my God, will this be amazing.
1: We know what I feel. I think, again, agreeing and reiterating for the millionth time, it can't hurt. I have the skepticism as well, but even a low level outcome here is still a net benefit for Detroit. And as Brad said, every point or two points or three points matters in the end, especially with the playoff cut line, maybe being a little wonky again this year. I'm all for it in terms of, yeah, this, this can only help. All right, some news on the Red Wings. As I mentioned, Dylan Larkin is going to be out for the Wednesday and Thursday games against New York and Chicago. Jonten Bergerin was called up, and so we'll see him in action. The Red Wings are going to go with 12 forwards. Justin Hall was a bit banged up, but will be ready to play. Jake Wallman is also going to be good to go. If you just see the Red Wings call up a defenseman, Derek Lalonde has said that it's going to be just for insurance because they're going to go with 12 forwards and 60. Now, also, Vili Huso is going to get the start in New York, which... Leads you to believe that it's probably going to be Lyon in Chicago, but we'll see how that plays out. Let's talk about some NHL news now and some news around the league, but.
0: Why did the Detroit Red Wings get Dean Evanson fired?
1: (laughs) Are we still in a, my God, he lost the Detroit Red Wings, so Dean Evanson hit the road? Like, is, Is Detroit still that bad of an image for the league?
0: Are they stuck in, like, 2019 Detroit Red Wings? Is that
1: what they're still thinking? (laughs) Their perception? That that was building up for a long time, but it is...
0: Ottawa's really hoping we play them soon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they are. My thing is... Yeah, okay, you get rid of Dean and I don't think things were going well in Minnesota. I have some opinions on terms of the amount of dead cap over there and what you're able to do with that team. But overall, that team wasn't playing up to standards. And when your best players aren't playing well for that long, preparedness and coaching, it does come into question. Why did they then go and hire the most Minnesota Wild-ass coach of all time in John Hines? If you told someone about John Hines' career and the kind of coach he was, but never told someone what teams he played or coached for, they would have assumed it would have been the Minnesota Wild. Like, yeah, maybe they'll get a new coach boost, which you've seen with John Hines specifically in the past, but oh, I don't know. That just is more of the same. And for a league who I think is actually doing a good job of breaking away from the good old boys coaching cycle, what are you doing that for? Bring in Jay Woodcroft. least the guy that has won games. What if he didn't want to?
2: Yeah, I, it's a very fair point. It is the Minnesota Wild after all. Uh, yeah, every time a coach gets fired, I've gotten in the habit lately of doing... Uh, lately, over the past few years of doing the same thing, I immediately run and go check at the team's save percentage. Yeah, I don't think it was Dean Everson's fault. <laughs> no, uh,
0: well, I think they've got one of the worst tandems in the league right now. Yes. Mark
2: Andre Fleury has been washed for a couple of years now, and <clears throat> some you, might say many years.
0: <laughs> not me, maybe you guys.
2: <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot you're on the other side of that argument. I missed it when you were gone. Honestly, I take that back. Oh, really? No, no, no Do I, t- you? I, t- I, t- I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> And uh, Gustafson had a good year last year, but how many times have you seen a goalie come out of nowhere to have a great season just to turn back into a pumpkin at midnight? And that might be what's happening here. Kaprizov's doing nothing, which you could argue, yeah, the coach has to get his guys going, and a lot of the important players in Minnesota aren't going. I have a hard time believing that's on the coach, especially when the, the team's safe percentage is sub-900, like, substantially sub 900. There is an amount of, you know, guilty
1: satisfaction that comes from, yeah, this team is the one who was the final nail in the coffin. You know, you never celebrate someone losing their job. He's still going to get paid. That's the beauty of being a coach that's fired in the NHL. That's the dream, actually. That's the dream. Mike Babcock made out like a bandit. oh,
0: He's living the dream Twice. for sure. Twice he pulled that. Well, well, think about, like, when Joel Quenville went to Florida, he insisted that Bobrovsky, which is now hilarious because Bobrovsky was notably struggled, he insisted that Bobrovsky was there. And that's not by mistake that, you know, good coaches have good goaltending. So to see how how it played out in in Minnesota is not totally surprising.
1: All right, let's talk about Corey Perry. Oh, (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) the internet's so stupid as a regular participant as someone who's in all capital letters way too online just so stupid (laughs) god so dumb i i want to say that at the time of recording the chicago blackhawks gm kyle davidson has started his press conference and has already said That he won't be able to disclose many details about the Corey Perry incident, as it's referred to, which has led to Corey Perry being put on waivers for the purpose of contract termination. He did say, however, the rumors about it involving players or families, Reed, Connor Bedard, and his mom, uh, are wildly inaccurate and frankly disgusting.
0: And he ain't wrong.
1: Call me soft. Genuinely call. I have no problem if you want to rib me for this, but the whole time this was happening, I'm like, you know, we all grew up in hockey dressing rooms. We all like inappropriate jokes. We've all been on
0: Xbox Live.
1: Yeah. Like we know how it goes, but as this was playing out, all I could think of was like, man, Connor Bedard has a thankless task of being the next face of the league, has come in, done it with a smile on his face. Well- he doesn't smile much. No, but for him, that's a smile. He's a Sidney Crosby type, right? Oh, 100%. And he's doing all of the media. He's he's doing six interviews during game time. In a 60-minute game, he's he's not even going to the room at intermission right away because he's doing interviews. And then just the world runs rampant with this rumor, and you're just like, you feel for him, and you feel for his family. It's just, I was squeamish about it. I was just like...
0: Ch- Chicago did an absolutely... Tragic job of getting in front of this. Yes. Too, they yeah. let this thing percolate and let the, the 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 knuckle draggers such as myself on the. I was not a part of this, but the knuckle draggers that are adjacent to me. Yeah, <laughs> build this familial knuckle draggers. Yes, yes, exactly. Build this thing into this crazy
1: unsubstantiated rumor, which is mind blowing to me that Chicago didn't get out in front of something. Well, <laughs> they have. Some, <laughs> I got him with
2: that one.
0: <laughs> I, I I don't know if you're keeping that in. So oh, that's staying. To stay. <laughs> staying.
2: He's not, he, It's been a while since he's been that clever. It has to stay. That, that is exactly true. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we don't
0: control the editing around here. So, um, it's a bad look once again for the Chicago Blackhawks organization who refuses to to do the right thing. Like he's he's the star player potentially of the league over yeah. the next. Fifteen years. You yeah. got to protect those guys uh, immediately. You got to go out in front of the cameras and say, whatever crap you're hearing online is not true. We will deal with the rest internally. There's an ongoing investigation. End it's, of story.
2: So the one thing, I'm not going to defend the Chicago Blackhawks. I will never defend the Chicago Blackhawks. But I will make one point about Kyle Davidson specifically just to present the other side. He did say the right thing today. Oh, absolutely. It was just too slow. Yeah. In internet terms, yes. in the real world, the, from when these rumors started to now is not a very long time at all, but that's, you have to understand how the world works in a perpetually online world, a way too online world as Ryan so adequately put it, you have to get on it. If you have to crawl out of bed at 2am and drag yourself to a microphone, you have to do it in today's day and age. You have to. And, you know, Kyle Davidson's a young GM. He hasn't been in this role long. He said the right thing. It was just too late. And now he has to understand going forward, he does not and will never have the luxury of time when shit hits the fan.
0: And it's not, you know, corporations, organizations, they almost always move incredibly slowly on these sorts of things. They always seem to attempt to gather all the facts and, the, the fact now that there's a contract termination involved in this, you know, for sure lawyers are involved, so you got to make sure you get that right and you can't say the wrong yeah. things, which I totally understand. But yeah, you you, you can't let Connor Bedard get dragged through the mud like
1: this. Doesn't matter what's true and what's not even before the denial. You bring in one of the infinity stones to change reality at that, but you have to protect Connor Bedard. You owe it to him.
0: Oh you yeah. That's him. a bad look.
1: Regardless, you know, even before Davidson's denial, some other things that have been out there, and again, this isn't based off of any insider information, and, and I, I hesitate to say too much in terms of what actually happened, but there's, uh, you know, rumors going out about conduct in terms of, uh, what what was the statement, in terms of a safe work environment and player safety, which makes you think of For example, previous hazing incidents or conduct, like maybe you're out on the town the night before a game or something on the road. There's a million different things it could be. The fact that it led to contract termination is all you need to know that it wasn't nothing because the PA does not stand for.
0: They did not happy about those sorts of situations.
1: No. Anyways, what an ugly mess. Unfortunately, there's a really funny part about this. They were talking about Corey Perry being, you know, he was actually having a very good season with Chicago to mm-hmm. start. He was an important part of that team. I mean, they're terrible, but still. And I think Kyle Davidson said something like, you're going to have to kick him out of the league if you want him to retire. <laughs> oh. Did he say that today? No, no, no. Like on, Oh
0: my God. Thank God. Uh, can you imagine he
1: said it today? But like, <laughs> it was like two weeks ago or something. Oh my God. <laughs> Oof. Again, the hockey gods, it's Man, a bit on the nose this for me. Thing,
0: do things change quickly or what?
2: Yeah, does one? I know for the length of this podcast, we've hated the narrative of, you know, every team has to bring in that old wily veteran to mentor the young kids. With the Luchich and Perry things now, can that narrative die, please? Well, the Perry one was working. Was it, though? It the was working on ice. The working, too. The the Perry thing on the ice was working, but that whole mentorship thing apparently not. Nah, you gotta... I don't know. I can't pretend to know
1: these guys personally. How many times have you ever heard of a guy who's like a terrible person in person but just an excellent guy to to guys in the room? Like, the hockey players are all terrible. We're all terrible people. Like, that's just a rule. This is true. But are you the extra layer of terrible or just average terrible? <laughs> that's right. Anyhow. Oh. Uh, yeah. We'll see what the actual details are. It's going to get out eventually. It's going to get out eventually. Even if you remember, you know, back to when Jim Montgomery was let go by Dallas and that was a, a an alcohol, a substance abuse thing. Like they held that back for as long as it could, but it got out eventually as will this one. So I'll say, we'll see, but I'm nervous about what happens in the interim. So something I want to call out poor Max. <laughs> wrote a really, really great feature on Simon Edvinson and, you know, Simon Edvinson and the quotes he gave Max and talking about, you know, not being called up to the team and he's doing really great stuff with Grand Rapids right now. And has essentially done all that he can do to show that he belongs on the Red Wings and is, you know, waiting his turn. Anyways, that feature launched this morning. (laughs) As much as we have the podcasters cursed, the same amount Max has the you know, I just wrote a big feature as a as a hockey writer curse. So I'm going to link it in the description of this episode. There's going to be so much Patrick Kane content, especially from us over the next while. Do yourself a favor. Read this article. It's really great. I think Simon Edvinson joining the Red Wings can have a bigger impact on the team than Patrick Kane joining the Red Wings this year. So it's
2: worthwhile to read. Yeah, the the writer's curse, the podcaster curse. It's real. Yeah. And and last night, I think I even said on the episode on Sunday, there was an exact time, day and time that would be my worst case scenario for the news to break. And you text me three minutes off that exact time yesterday. And I was like, you gotta be kidding I me. I know.
1: How funny was that?
2: I almost, oh man, I almost lost it, but. Max definitely got the shorter end of the stick on this one. We haven't become masters of this universe, but we've become very good observers. (laughs) We know when we're about to be walloped. Well, like I said earlier in the episode about Evan, it could apply to all of us. Foresight, great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. All right. Uh, You know, for an emergency episode, you don't usually have so much content and yet... Chicago Blackhawks adjacent news has filled the NHL world today, so thanks. I guess. Let's jump into overtime on this emergency episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Overtime is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, Patreon.com/slash WingedWheelPodcast. If you want to support the show, you get access to things like our Patreon exclusive Discord. You also get access to all of our giveaways. For example, we're giving away two tickets to every Detroit Red Wings home game. The vast majority going to our Patreon supporters. Also, you get access to all of our bonus overtime content or any bonus content that we put out there. For example, after every episode, we record a uh, overtime or bonus overtime Patreon exclusive segment where we answer any questions that we didn't get to on the main show. We let loose, have fun. We do a segment called Thoughts with Evan where you get to see a horrifying insight into this man's mind or whatever's rattling around in there.
0: Just wait till this one and I talk about the golf trip.
1: And it's actually going to be very good and lots more. So again, patreon.com slash winged. Wheel podcast. Let's take some questions from our patrons here. Frank Stanley says, With the signing of Kane and the call up of Bear Grant, who do we waive or send down? Do you think a trade is in the works to ship out a defender or a goalie? So, you know, addressing it now, that's more of just a, a Larkin thing. Long term, I still do wonder though about goalie. Probably not the answer for this one, but I still am intently watching what happens with mostly Rhymer, but really any one of the Redmond's three goalies.
2: That's the most likely. But with Patrick Kane now, you could argue they have a surplus at every position now. You know, one of Costin or Fisher's probably scratched every game. Bergeron might end up back in Grand Rapids. They already are carrying seven NHL defensemen when we everybody can and should be making the case that Simon Evanson could be up here. So just because goalie makes the most sense, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. I think it could be any position here if, if, if a trade is in the works.
1: All right. Next comment here from Norris Sider says, regardless of how the Kane experiment unfolds, I think this should lend more trust to the Iser plan without having the foundational advantage of draft luck like so many perennial contenders. Theoretically, incremental moves like these are what will pave the way for our return to the cup. Instant gratification is always nice, but at least we can be thankful for cool moments like this in the cat acquisition along the way. Cheers, boys, and thanks, Steve, for the early birthday present. I believe I'm as old as Brad as of tomorrow. No, no, you're young. Brad's old, remember. Yep. It's all about perspective. And how you feel,
2: and I feel old. Oh, yeah, you are, you look like you feel old.
1: <laughs> that might be the meanest thing I've ever said to us. <laughs> that was a bit much. I'm sorry. Clapping bombs. I'm not going to read the rest of that one. It says, says, uh, do you guys think Sprong deserves a look higher? It's exactly what you think it was. You, okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys think Sprong deserves a look higher up in the lineup than the fourth line minutes he's
2: been getting? Yes and no. Especially with Kane here, the question would be, if you're talking about putting Sprong in the top six, who do you pull out of the top six? I wouldn't mind if he got a look with Raymond and Larkin, if he's comfortable on his off wing. I wouldn't hate that. If Debrink and Kane do end up on the second line, he's not getting in there. So I I think he does, but I don't know where to put him. You know, with Sprong, it's a little bit of
1: why was he not deployed more with Seattle last year? Why isn't he getting more this year? And there's more to the game than just converting offensive opportunities, but that is also the name of the game in the modern NHL. So maybe there's a little bit of a... Poison Chalice isn't the right way to, to phrase it here, but you you add more time, you add more deployment, you're not necessarily going to see a linear scale up of his production. Overall, I really like what I see from Sprung's game in general. Is it perfect on ice? No, but offensively, he brings a touch that the Red Wings need.
2: Yeah, and those deficiencies that were advertised when he came to Detroit, I haven't really seen those as glaring as people made them out to be. They're there, but they're not like... Yeah, they're not extreme. Yeah, it's They're, as much as most other players. Exactly. So, yeah, if if they want to experiment with him in the top six, I'm fully on board for it.
1: This one here from Coyote Season Tickets and Anywhere, but Tempe says, what a long way we've come since being slighted by Stamkos, eh? We talked about that in the show. Like, legitimately, this is, it's a frame shift of how Detroit is perceived. I, I think it was definitely a big move in that direction, but a lot of that was this is his hometown team. Kane choosing Detroit, even though other teams were in the mix, like that means something to other players. It will mean something to other players. Next question from soft dump in the corner <laughs> says anybody, God, you guys says anybody else see a correlation between the apparent Eisman visit to Kane slash Kane quietly skating in Detroit for the past few days and Lions recent ice time showcasing Lion to Edmonton, maybe. Seems like a pretty convenient timing to me. Add in Edmonton's lack of cap space and lions cheap contract, and I would say he looks pretty darn appealing to Kenny. Also, currently watching last night's game between Ottawa and Florida. Everybody on the ice gets a game misconduct. That was hysterical. Phenomenal content. As a referee, you have to dream of being able to make that call. A Myra
0: native, of Garrett Rank.
1: Is that Garrett Rank? Yep. Of course, it was Garrett Rank. I've not had uh, the Red Wings have not had a lot of good uh, good Garrett Rank games. He was part no. of, he was part of the stick throwing game for the Red Wings.
0: He's uh, very good friends with one of the guys I was on the trip with. So when he saw that clip, he was dying.
2: (laughs) So on the Alex Lyon thing, this is one of those things to not overthink. You are correct. Edmonton could and probably should have a lot of interest in Alex Lyon. He's playing great and their goaltending sucks. However, the reason Lyon got in to play for Detroit was twofold. One, Huso had a kid and the Red Wings had a back-to-back in Sweden. So it was very unlikely a goalie was going to play both of those games. Uh, and two, leading up to the game where Lion played, uh, Reimer and Husso sucked. So it was the most logical time to, hey, we need a goalie to perform if we want to make the playoffs. We gave this guy a two-year contract. Let's see what he's got. And he's played very well. So for a team like the Red Wings, who have thoughts of making the playoffs, as now giantly signaled by the signing of Patrick Kane, they need to play whoever the best goalie in their organization is at any given time.
0: And the NHL has never been more of a 1A, 1B goaltending tandem than it is right now. So if you've got one guy who's playing well and you've got two guys you're kind of not totally sold on, you don't trade one of those two options. you
1: got to see what you got still. Joe Falzone says cap-friendly houses with approximately $10 million in cap space at the deadline. Obviously, injuries would dictate additions first, but right now let's have some silly fun and pretend Stevie buys he shouldn't. Who would complete the bonkers hat-trick of DeBrinket
2: and Kane? I'm not even going to say a trade. Johnny Taze comes out oh. of his hiatus to finish the season. You're, you're going to give some Red Wings fans some aneurysms. I gave myself an aneurysm. Could you... There's a non-zero chance, not a good chance, a non-zero chance that by the end of the year, the Red Wings could trot out a line of Alex to bring it, Patrick Kane, and Jonathan Taze.
0: Dustin Bufflin's been secretly working out to prepare for his return.
1: He's got a pro fishing
0: career. He's got like a stat page and everything. I've never seen a guy just not care about playing professional hockey quite like him.
1: <laughs> he is built like a Mack truck. Like He has so much natural athletic and hockey talent. And the dude just loves to just not care and be big. That hit, the hit he had on Mark
0: Stone is one of the biggest hits I've ever seen in my life.
1: Also, manhandling two, was it Vegas players? He just
0: picked up two guys like they were like his carry on luggage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this question from not Steve Eisenman spying on you says, Would you say the addition of Kane signifies a shift in how Steve views the franchise? That now we are starting to approach the window to add win now talent slash pieces? I think the last two off seasons have signaled that. I agree I, I definitely the shift is there. like this is a a step, but we've been in that phase for a w- little while now, I'd say. The start of that was the cop
2: off season. What I will say, and even just based on everything I've been reading today, this was the signing where the rest of the league noticed the rest of the hockey world noticed. I I was even listening to a podcast and I was listening to it on the way over here. It was weird how they almost seemed surprised to this point when they looked at, okay, the Red Wings got Kane, let's dive into it. Oh, they're ahead of Ottawa and Buffalo and Toronto and Tampa. Like, yeah, it's, it's not a new development. The Red Wings have been playing well this year. They bought this summer. It makes sense. They go out and acquire Patrick Kane. So this doesn't change anything for the Red Wings, but I think the perception of the Red Wings is very different today.
1: And last one here from one, Will Bukima says, question for Brad.
2: Oh God, what type of secret
1: base bullshit am I in here for? I love it. What does the cane signing mean for Brady Cleveland?
2: (laughs) I had had to give you that one. We love Will and I had to give you that one. What does it mean? Um, Nothing.
1: (laughs) All right, folks. Thank you so much for tuning into this emergency episode of the winged wheel podcast the as lobstradamus himself ascertained what happened in the offseason the patrick kane episode of the winged wheel podcast there's going to be more to come the content over the next little while is going to be a little bit funky so there's going to be no midweek episode this week this is our midweek but what we will be doing is recording after the Thursday game so after both games we'll be recording a little bit and that's going to go into our next Sunday episode that episode's also going to feature our Red Wings roundtable with some special guests and then you'll also be celebrating a lot of you but you'll have after the Sunday episode you'll have two episodes without me so Brad and Evan have the reins God help you all have mercy on all of our souls for whatever happens to that and if I come back to an intact podcast, then I'll talk to you later in December. But that's going to be our content schedule. But thank you all so much for tuning in to this surprising and unsurprising episode of the Winged Wheel podcast and an exciting time for Hockey Town, a confusing time for Red Wings fans. And I mean, this is our first in season emergency episode of the year. To bring it kind of happened as well after we recorded, but still. But this was fun to do. So we'll see where this one goes. Thank you all so much for tuning in. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. And if you're a listener of old, I say again, pretty wild departure from where the Red Wings were when we started this show. To all of our Patreon supporters, we could not do this without you. Patreon.com slash wingedwheelpodcast if you do want to support the show. Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Aikfer, Samuel Soderholm, Raymond's Missing Tooth, Icon, Brad's Lord and Savior, Bradley Cleveland, Glenn Brabham, Cider the Ass Kicker, Connor's Left Knee, Ashley Van Conant, Sea Lion, Heenan O'Donohue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels, Matthew M. Rice, Admiral Matt S. of the Cheesebag Navy, Carl Brutinananalewski, Carl Provi, who's a new name-level sponsor, Sizzin' High Five, Clip Clop Nene, Connor Scovey, Coyote Season Tickets and Anywhere But Tempe, Craig Kibble, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, D-Town Westside, Exquisitine Bublé Schwinslow, Fergus Member of the Black Eyed Peas, Give Blood Fight Probert, Hockey Town Love, Hockey Town Matt, Hassam Al-Kassem, Jake Ollam, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Marcus, Marlon Winchester, Matt K, Cannon Fodder, of the Cheesebag Army, Matt McKay, Michael Edlund, RA, Red 3, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Scree and Lube, Sprong 88 for Life, doesn't want to give up the number A, eh? That's What I appreciate About You, Wallman's Elite Dancing D, Iserplan Stan, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, AB, Adam Rose, Axel Sandy Pelica, AB might be a new name of a sponsor, uh, thank you so much for your support. Big Cheese, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Chuck Buffchest, the Tarpless Goon, Clappin' Bombs, Wheeling Moms, Commander Ben Baron of the Cheesebag Space Force, Connor, Connor Leighton, Corey Prieta, Darren Fick, D Boss Snip Show, Dungeon Master of Puppets, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, Griffey Boy, James Laporte, James Pridemore, Jeremiah Dobo, JM Rhapsody, John Evans, Derogatory, John Engels, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz. Linda Hall, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Norris Cider, Ophelia, Stephen, thankful for the Wing Wheel Podcast, the Hodag, the Mexinadian, the Hat123, Winging It in San Diego, ex-formerly AA Ron, and your second favorite patron. Thank you all so very much. We'll talk to you in a way on Sunday.